Did you hear about the contest to win a ton of cow manure? To the victor, go the soils. Why did the dad cross the road? He saw another dad, working on a car. Why'd the cat cross the road? Because the chicken had a laser pointer. And if you like that, I can add my cat sound. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medicine provider, gives me street cred, the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And uh, my partner in all things, Tacey. Hello, Tacey. Hello. Do you have topic time today? Am I? Okay, awesome. And uh, in the studio for the first time, uh, Dr. Jeff, an osteopathic physician of great renown. Hello, Dr. Jeff. Hello, Dr. Steve. Thank you for having me. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call 347-766-4323. That's 347-Poohhead. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. You like how I accentuated that? Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical Medical providers, take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your health care provider. All right, very good. Please don't forget stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all your online shopping needs. I understand that people with iOS were having trouble accessing that site. I'm going to, Dr. Jeff and I are going to figure that shit out. Uh, because that uh, it works fine for me, but uh, that may be uh, a problem for some people. If you're having trouble with that, let me know. Stuff.drsteve.com. And you can have ad blockers on. It's fine. You just click through to Amazon, then they're all, you know, but you won't see the rest of the page. And then um, if you're interested at all in non pharmacologic treatment for your erectile dysfunction, check out the Phoenix Acoustic shockwave therapy same stuff you would get if you go to a med spa and have a stranger holding your junk in your hands and 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 running this probe up and down uh for multiple visits for thousands of dollars you go to et ed.drsteve.com like echo delta.drsteve.com you know ed for 
erectile dysfunction. No shit. And uh, you can get a discount for that thing. They have a payment plan. It ain't cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than going to a med spa and having this done. And uh, it really uh, has some decent data behind it. So I don't like to plug things that I don't think work and uh, or that I wouldn't use myself. So I'm in my second phase of doing that. And Tacey will let you know how that's working uh, later, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess we have or, plans. Or whoever. Okay. <laughs> Tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, for the best... Um, uh, <laughs> for the best earbuds on the market for the price and the best customer service anywhere, use offer code FLUID to get 33% off your order. And simplyherbals.net, Dr. Scott's website, with the best CBD nasal spray ever made. Uh, maybe the only CBD nasal spray ever made. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah, it's, we, the only, it's the only good one. We've been, okay. I don't, I don't think there's Fair. any other ones. At all. I, I have not seen any. No, I don't think so. Uh, you're the number one CBD nasal spray in the country, I believe. Yep. So uh, that's just my personal belief. And uh, we've been running some of your ads at the beginning. Have you yes, noticed, have you noticed anything? Very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay, good. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Weird Medicine. That's Tasty Me. We're going to record tomorrow, tomorrow a new show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tim Dillon has agreed to be on. But then when I follow up, then, you know, I, it's, I get crickets. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I'll... I, I, Tim and I are sort of buddies, so we'll, uh, I think we'll be able to get him on at some point. But it's fun. We've had a bunch of lunatics on there. We had Chad Zumach. We had Gino Bisconte. We had uh, the Troika of Opie and Anthony, Mark Norman, Pete Davidson, other folks. It's worth getting in there just listening to the old stuff. And then there's classic weird medicine episodes that are no longer available on the Internet. And then I'm, I swear I'm going to start doing these live streams. It's coming. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be right when I do it. And I just right now don't have time because of my job to sit down and do it right the way I want to do it. But it's coming. I promise it's coming. So check that out. Patreon.com slash weird medicine. And if you just want me to say fluid to your mama or whatever. Oh, and you know who else uh, got a Patreon from, from or a, a uh, cameo from me the other day? Dr. Scott, your favorite person. Give yourself a beer. It was Cassidy's birthday, and her dad got her a cameo from me. And I didn't realize oh, who it was. Funny. So I would have said, you know, give yourself a bell to her or something. Oh, but instead, I just told a bunch of dad jokes. So yeah, she's, anyway, good. She's, good, yeah, she's a good kid, and her yep. dad is a cool guy. So anyway, um, there's that. So, yeah, she did a cameo. So ta- cameo.com slash weird medicine. It's unbelievably cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I do it just for fun, so I don't. I, but I, they won't let me charge zero. I would charge zero if they would let me. He would. I absolutely would. It's so much fun to do. <laughs> anyway, all right. Anything else? Nope. nope. Well, uh, welcome to the studio, um, Doctor Jeff. We're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of stuff today, including osteopathic medicine. Um, but we're basically just going to be talking about dicks and nuts and stuff like that. If that's okay. Yeah, osteopathic medicine includes dicks and nuts. Excellent. Okay, well, very good. Well, that's good to know. Um, Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And uh, I 
I really um, didn't do a whole lot of show prep today, and I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Uh, unlike normally when I play, you know, put in all kinds of time, and I forgot to take my medicine today. So uh, this is going to be an interesting show. I'll try to make it halfway interesting. Uh, Tacy has topics. Let's do Jen and Carol's question first. I'm doing it blind. I haven't listened to it, and uh, people were complaining that my my bumper music sucked, so I'm just going to play their question. <laughs> Didn't you create that music? Yes, fuck off. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Steve, I have a question. Uh, we have a question? Okay, okay. We have a question. My entire life, I have played sports. I have not. When I exercise rigorously, I have always tasted blood <laughs> in my mouth. Oh. Have you never had that? No, I also have never exercised vigorously. I mean, so. you had to have exerted yourself at some point. I mean, you know what happens to me? I don't taste blood, but I get a very weird pain in my throat and, and neck, which probably means I'm I'm having a heart attack or something. <laughs> when was the last time you had that? I have it frequently. Probably having a stroke. That's what I'm thinking. So I will actually taste, I'm not coughing, but my mouth and my throat will have a metallic taste. And I am convinced when I spit, it's right. going to be blood. It's and never it's blood. Right. Oh, that's weird. What is that? Is that something that I should be concerned with? Thank you. And God bless. <laughs> that's Jen and Carol from the Mom Swipes Left podcast. Check them out at momswipesleft, I think, dot com. And uh, I have no effing idea on this one. Dr. Jeff? Yeah, this is a new one to me too. I'm wondering how vigorous of an exercise are we are we talking about? Are they are they bearing down? Are they clinching down? Yeah. Um, well, well, the th the thing is, is that we can't ask follow up yeah, questions. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's unfortunate. So we have to deal with what we've got. Now she said that she um, uh, exercises vigorously and has mm -hmm. for years. So it's and then one of them said, "Well, maybe you're having a stroke." No, that's no. not it. Stroke is uh, characterized by one-sided weakness of the body, not a metallic uh, uh, thing or, you know, taste in your mouth. Tacey, what did you come up with? Um, some of the excess hemoglobin released from the leaky red blood cells in the lungs is transported through the bronchi to the mouth. Oh. Hearken to thine inner voice and give thyself a bend. No task shalt be denied if thy will so is strong and true. In. The belly down one. It carries with it the sound of courage <laughs> that giveth strength to even the meekest of hearts. All right, enough of that. So ring thine own bell. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so uh, read further, Taste. That's awesome. Well, I was there's just a couple of different things. Um, another thing, that was by Ohio State University. Another thing says, um, the effort exerted on top of the existing irritation might cause the mucous membranes to bleed just ever so slightly. Right, and then you could actually, I think the sensors and the tongue are sensitive enough to taste blood that you actually could not can't see, can't see. Yeah. but it's the hemoglobin that makes the metallic taste mm -hmm. yeah. because it's bound with uh, iron. iron it also says that um, from the marathon handbook tasting blood in your mouth while running is a byproduct of breathing hard yeah but that doesn't answer the question though you know um, I know that um, stuff from the top of your airway can sometimes you know if you've got a, an infection or something can can 
smell or taste metallic, but I think the metallic thing is a blood. She's saying it it's tastes, it tastes like blood, wondering. not just like metal. Yeah, with that much exertion, maybe it's a little sinusy thing, maybe a little post nasal kind of drip. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, but I like I like Casey's answer. So I far. do too. That's why she got the full Monty so on the you give yourself a bell. Anyway, there's all That's kinds of it. stuff about agree, it yeah. on the internet. So okay, um, well, can you tell us about the hemoglobin leaking from well you know about leaky junctions yes so is there was there something else in there about the leaky junctions no because i'm not even on that because it makes sense that if you're huffing and puffing and really exerting yourself that the junctions uh between the epithelial cells which are the cells that line uh, you know cavities like the lungs would open up some and there could be some uh uh, just you know, a, a blood, um, you know, a blood, red blood cell or something leaking in there, and then the the lung has got to transport that out. I mean, it it, it talks all through. I mean, about hemoglobin molecules in here, um, but I mean, it as it pertains to your question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, proper breathing technique and exercise is super important, right? And sure. if you're if you're not breathing during during strain, you're increasing intrathoracic pressure, um, and that could certainly um, you know cause some damage to those blood vessels. I'm wondering also too about reflux. Yes, there might be a little reflux involved there. That was the other thing I was wondering about. I'm, I'll give you a bell for that. Myself a bell. Well, just because. Rookies I don't know if you bells. figured this out, but I I give people bells when they when they say something that internally I was. I was agreeing with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I wondered about reflux as well, but that usually gives you a, a metallic taste, but not blood. It doesn't, I've, I've had reflux before and you get this sour kind of almost metallic taste, but I wouldn't characterize it as tasting blood, but I, that could be it. I sent you the article yeah. that talks about it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I that's pretty awesome taste. I got to give it to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Red blood cells can leak into your uh, alveoli during hard effort. It's temporary. Nothing to worry about. If you always taste blood, you should see your doctor to rule out underlying health issues like infections. But this has been going on for years. Oh, yeah, forever. So I think she just works out. I I would like for uh, I'm I'm starting to get their voices. I think that was Jen. I, I would like for her to check her resting and maximum uh, heart rate because I wonder if she's overdoing it. Mm. You know, mm. there is a formula for that, which we could talk about. I, let, let's see what she says, and then we could walk through the formula to figure out what your safe uh, heart rate is and what your target heart rate is. What about the pain in the neck? Did she say she was having pain in the neck too? Oh yeah. yeah. That was the other one, yeah. yeah. She was talking about, she does an exercise and she gets like a pain in her neck. Back of her throat or something in like that. In the back yeah. of her throat. That would sound like that's coming from breathing. Yeah. Just choking. They live in Maine. There's I don't know if how humid it is up there, mm. but if she's working out in the winter, it's probably uh due to uh uh dry air, be my guess. Mm. Yes. Um now Having said that, we've talked about this case before on this show, but this would would be something more recent where uh, we had a patient 
uh, univer- well, you know, at a university mm-hmm. center mm-hmm. that came in and was triaged to the non-acute side of the emergency room because he complained of sore throat. Mm-hmm. And when they went in to go see him, he was dead. Now, the reason for that was after the autopsy, they figured it out. He was having a heart attack, a.k.a. myocardial infarction. And in in those situations, you have chest pain radiating to the left arm. But sometimes people will have pain that radiates to the neck. And instead of saying, you know, because not everybody's a textbook, you know, I have left-sided chest pain radiating to my left neck accompanied by shortness of breath, uh, sweating and nausea and palpitations, which would be sort of a classic presentation. He went in and said, I'm having throat pain. And they interpreted that as, oh, this guy's got a viral URI. He's got sore throat, stuck him over there, and then he had an arrhythmia and died. So... um, Yeah. When you and caveat for the providers out there, take a complete history while you're triaging somebody. But also uh, for us as patients, make sure we tell them the whole story. Yeah, probably wasn't the only thing. And it may have been I was pushing my lawnmower when this started or I was running up the stairs Mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, so we got to give people the context. A little bit more info, yeah. 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 It didn't even sound like she was exercising when it happened to her, though. Do I need to play it again? Was that... I thought she said when she... Okay, well, we... It's right there. Pain in my throat and and neck, which probably means I'm I'm having a heart attack or something. When was the last time you had that? I have it frequently. Probably having a stroke. That's what I'm thinking. So I will actually taste. I'm not okay. So that was Carol saying that, and then this is not coughing, but my mouth and my throat will have a metallic taste, and I am convinced when I spit, it's right. going to be blood. Now that, yeah, again, the metallic taste could be reflux. That could be. Yeah. If it's just happening, you know. When you're exercising. When you're not exercising. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, the pain in the neck and throat, I'd like to hear more about that. Because, of course, Carol throws that in, and then Jen just, you know, takes over the conversation (laughs) again. So, Yeah, the pain in the throat is a little concerning. Yeah, let's hear more about that. Maybe some more information would be helpful on that. Yes. Carol, you can just send that in by yourself, and then we will pay attention to you. Quickly. Quickly. Send it in quickly, please. All right. Um, let's move on. Oh, let's. Oh, well, of course, we have something that we can do right now. It's Tacy's time of topics. A time for Tacy to discuss topics of the day. Not to be confused with Topic Time with Harrison Young, which is copyrighted by Harrison Young and Area 58 Public Access. And now, here's Tacy. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Daisy. Um, okay, topic number one. Okay. I can't read because my microphone is in the way. I've never noticed that before. Anyway, <laughs> new Alzheimer's drug slows disease by a third. We are on the cusp of drugs being available for this. It seems previously God, impossible. Because I know it's coming. Eli Lilly. Okay, don't know how to s- pronounce this. Donanimab. Oh, okay. It's a monoclonal antibody. Slows it by about a third. What? Yeah. Antibody uh, made to attack viruses, but engineered to clear a sticky gunk from the brain called beta amyloid. Amyloid builds up between brain cells and forms plaques, which is a hallmark of the disease. 
Full details are yet to be published, but number one, 1,734 people in early stages took part. Number two, given as a monthly infusion until plaques in the brain were gone. Number three, disease pace slowed 29% overall. And number four, those given the drugs were able to retain their day-to-day lives. Really? Okay. Brain swelling happened in one-third of patients. 1.6 got dangerously swollen in two deaths. Maybe a third occurred. Ooh. Eli Lilly will begin the process of having its drug approved for hospital use soon. That's from BBC. Hospital use? Yes. They said hospital use. I don't know. Hmm. That's strange. So anyway, big deal, though. Okay. Drugs slowed the disease progression by 35%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there were some pretty serious adverse effects on this. And uh, there was another one, lecanemab, Mm. which was, you know, touted as a new Alzheimer's drug. And it didn't quite make the cut because it had so many adverse effects. This one... Uh, some people, you know, this Robert Howard, he's a psychiatrist at University College of London, says this one looks just as dangerous as lecanemab. So, uh, but we think that um, uh, this has got to be, you know, at least a glimmer of hope for a safe treatment in the future. If this one doesn't make it, which it may not. Maybe they're on the right path anyway. You know, Eli Lilly's going to hype it up, of course. But, yeah. you know, if you've got people dying of brain swelling when they, when they have grade one dementia, you know, there's seven, seven stages of dementia. We use a score called the FAST scale. And, uh, and one through seven, uh, well, the first five are just, you know, you start off as being slightly eccentric and then you can't plan a party and then you can't do your checkbook and then as you descend down that scale then you start losing some real cognitive ability and uh by the time you get to 7c the you know seven is divided up into a bunch of different segments people at 7c can't walk and can't talk and they have trouble eating so you know it goes all the way down if you were at, at class one or stage one, mm-hmm. and you just have some memory trouble, and then you take this, and then you get brain swelling, and you die. That wasn't worth it. No. no. If it works for you, and it slows progression, so that you get an extra year of being able to do stuff uh, before things get really bad, that's great. So what they need to do, if they can, is figure out what is common in the people that have the brain swelling. And then you can subtract those people out. It could be a genetic marker, who knows? But they got to figure this out because these drugs are not going to get approved like this if no. they if they continue to have such serious adverse effects. I had an Alzheimer's patient, <clears throat> excuse me, once, and um, I had to remove her teeth and clean them mm. every day, but she liked to bite me. With her gums or with the teeth? No, with her teeth. So I had to try to. Oh, God. Get in there and get her teeth out without being bitten. How do you do that? Well, it was, I mean, it was, I don't remember. It's been so long ago. But, I mean, it was, it was like hell. I've never been so scared. Because you're an idiot. (laughs) I mean, it was terrifying. She was like, go ahead. 
Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, she would invite you to do yeah, it, and mm-hmm. then you'd get your finger in there? Yeah, she no, was... she was mean. It's a trap. Good for her. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's awful. That is an awful story. <laughs> it was. Did it for like a year. It was so what did you do? Just start smacking her in the back of the head? Yeah, the just out. smacked yeah, her around a little bit. That. Oh, well, you know, we know Tacey pretty well. <laughs> yeah. You ready for topic number two? Yes. That's a good one, Tace. We should have a sound effect for these different topics. Can magic mushrooms cure color blindness? What? Ooh. No. This is from Interesting Engineering, and they used a test called the Shihara test, Steve. Okay. Which is the most common color vision test. Before ingestion, a, a subject self... Okay, so this is a study of one, okay? <laughs> uh, oh, so, some, guy, <laughs> some guy took magic mouth or magic mouthwash, magic mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. He, self, my, oh, I saw colors. Maybe they're having trouble finding participants <laughs> <laughs> that are both colorblind and connoisseurs uh, no, of magic be, mushrooms. That would not be hard. So I almost didn't do it, but I thought it was pretty interesting. No, it's funny. Um, the subject self-administered this test and scored a 14. Now, if you get a 17 or above, your vision is considered normal. But a 13 or below, yeah. you have cover, color vision deficiency. So 12 hours post-ingestion, he scored a 15. 24 hours post-ingestion, he had an 18. He peaked at 19 on day 8 after his mushroom experience. After a year... He scored a 16. So in conclusion, a single use of, how do you say it? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah, psilocybin. May oh, produce partial like improvements. Well, I started to say, ask the hippie. <laughs> may improve partial improvements in CVD extending beyond the period of acute effect. Ooh. Okay, so this is pretty interesting. Um, I've thought this was kind of BS, and then I'm looking at this. The Ishihara. So this guy... Did this on his own, and then he reported it to his doctors, and then they said, "Well, by God, we're going to do a test and just by God see." So he, they, the Ishihara test has these plates of colored dots, and they have these patterns, and they would be either invisible to someone with color blindness, or they would be only visible to someone with color blindness, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good. Co- cool test and it's a good test for determining uh, colorblindness. But the problem with colorblindness is you actually don't have the the rods or the cones that you need to detect those colors. So I don't know. Or the, or the, um, uh, the, the chemistry in them is distorted so that they don't work. And uh, it's, I don't know how this would work. That is pretty bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so he reported uh, 14, then a 15, and then an 18, and normal's 21. Unless you've got normal, you know, normal rods in your... And cones in your eyes, but your it's your visual cortex that didn't. Well, okay. That, interpreting the all right. The, I got um, it. Self appeal. I got to give you that one. That that's possible, but I don't think that's how color blindness works. But maybe I, I in his either. case yeah, it yeah. does. I, I don't either, but I think that that could be. We don't go in and biopsy people's retinas and go, oh well, you don't yeah, have your color green, yes. you know, thing. So absolutely, there's anything in that circuit could be screwed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't it wild? Yeah, see if you can find neurologic or neurogenic colorblindness. Because if 
if that's a thing, and I don't know, I'm not. One thing we don't learn about in medical school too much is a whole lot of ophthalmology right. and a whole lot of uh, uh, dental stuff. Or oh, and magic mushrooms. Or magic <laughs> mushrooms. Although we did do pharmaceutical <laughs> cocaine in medical school. Yeah. I told you that story. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if we can find anything on neurogenic, because if he had that, then that makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. Because maybe it was altering the the visual processing centers in the brain. Right. You know? Well, again, that, kind of the same thing that he said. Give thyself here. a bell. But, yeah, I'll give you a bell for that. Appreciate that. Um, it says here, we would not expect psilocybin to repair his genetic defect, so it could never re- fully restore his color vision. Instead, we hypothesize psilocybin... There you go. Improved processing of the limited visual sensory input entering the brain of this individual. So, yeah, it was doing it at the level of the cortex, just like Scott and uh, Dr. Jeff said. So that is fucking fascinating. Isn't that cool? It sure is. That's a good one, Tase. I'm going to give you a Way bell. Way to go, Tase. Give myself oh, a bell. No. Well, this next one up. sucks, so get ready. <laughs> okay. All right. okay. I did this for myself because I often have a puffy face, and I always thought it was Hashimoto's, whatever. But it um, is a puffy oh. face a sign of a serious health problem? This is from the scientific... Um, are you, did you just seriously put that on me? Oh, did you turn it so it wasn't on you? No, I don't... <laughs> I did not shower today, and I do not want to be on. But she this did, is a radio. But she brushed show. her teeth. She did brush her teeth. I did brush my teeth. <laughs> do you, do you use deodorant? I did. Do you rub rub a clear, a clean rock under your armpits? <laughs> no, I used a country um, style. I believe it was a secret. You can use baking soda. <laughs> you or, are such a. All right, anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anyway, this comes from the scientific uh, magazine Good Housekeeping. Uh, chronic facial swelling is often an early warning that something serious is going on. Now, we're not talking about just a little bit like, oh, I had a little wine last night. We're talking about if you look like a blowfish oh, yeah. or a dog after a bee sting. Well, yes. Which, no, yes, like bad. if you had that, so you, you need to go to the doctor. So, I right. told you it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, it could be a sign of inflammation in your body. Um, inflammation, hormones, or allergens can all contribute to it. If it comes out of nowhere, like not after wine the night before, and you have difficulty breathing or swallowing, have a pain or numbness, fever, or can't move part of your face, visit the ER. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Or call your doctor. Now, treatment for mild facial swelling, cold compresses, stay hydrated, sleep upright, Take an OTC and a histamine. This is for hangover. or Yes, you know. I believe so. Don't drink alcohol or eat salty foods, and don't sleep in your makeup, ladies. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. So. so, yeah, so the, the kinds of facial swelling that we see that are really pathologic, the one that can come up suddenly is... Uh, is a thing called superior vena cava syndrome, which is where you actually have a tumor that is blocking the uh, egress of blood from the head, and the whole head face will swell up and uh, maybe even turn purpley kind of color. And uh, that is a, a medical slash surgical emergency. Often they'll give you a dose of radiation to the tumor, and a lot of times people who have that didn't even know they had cancer. That's how they find out about it. And that's what fucking sucks about cancer. I'm going to stick my neck out and say cancer sucks and give me, you know, ooh. <laughs> ooh, what a hot take. But uh, it instead of 
knock on the door, you know, knocking on your front door and say, can I come in? It, uh, which if it did, you could just shoot it with a double barrel on your, on your porch. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what are, what's that called? Castle rules or whatever, you know? But uh, instead of doing that, it waits till you're asleep and sneaks in, sneaks in the back window and knocks you over the head with a lead pipe like a, like a bitch. Yeah. So cancer can kiss my ass. No use for it whatsoever. Uh, there's no benefit from it. It needs to die. And we are very close, my friends. They, you remember a long time ago we talked about the lady... And if you're interested in this, go to drsteve.com and click on the menu and look for non-pseudoscience cancer cures. But we had, there was a lady literally dying of stage four cervical cancer. And they said, well, do you want to try this new treatment? And she was like, do I? Uh, you know, what have I got to lose? So uh, what they did was they took some of her tumor cells out mixed them up with her white blood cells and then sent them back. And it was sort of like taking a sock and, and you know, letting a dog sniff it and go, go find Scotty. Mm -hmm. You know, he's out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> and then the dog goes and finds him. Yep. Right? Uh, it was just like that. And that woman, to my understanding, is walking around cancer-free today. Wow. So it, they are now selling this as a thing called uh, CAR T-cell therapy. Hmm. Um, so it's chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. And it's actually on the market. Fabulously expensive, of course, and you have to get into a lottery most places to even get it if they have one that's based on your cancer. But this is just the first step, and uh, it will become commonplace over the next, I think, 10 years. And I used to say this shit was 100 years away. It's here now. So, uh, yeah, pretty amazing shit. Yeah. So there you go. So fuck That concludes our topic. Ah, very good, Tacey. Let me see. Thank it's you, Tacey. All right. That's, I got to have an outro, too. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Um, Good stuff. You guys, you brought some some stuff, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we've got two questions from the uh, oh. fluid family. All right, let's do it. 
Fluid Family is our YouTube channel. While we, this is a radio show, but we do have a YouTube presence just for the five or ten people who want to hang out with us while we're recording. <laughs> Scott and I said that from the day we started doing this that it gives it a little bit of different vibe because we at least aren't just in here masturbating yes. with ourselves. Circle jerk. We're, we have a... Um, a group of people that we're actually talking to yeah. live. Even if it's one person, it changes things. It does help. It so, sure does. But anyway, but you can hang out with us. Check out my Twitter at Weird Medicine or check our uh, YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash at Weird Medicine, all one word. And then uh, you can uh, subscribe and like and all those things, and then you'll get notifications whenever we go live, usually Saturday around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what you got there? Yeah, so, so love it. First question, very good. It kind of feeds into the second question. Okay. Um, how can you tell the difference between a bacterial and viral infection? Of the what, though? Well, she just says in general. Okay. Well, so let's just pick one. Well, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, well, let's do bacterial versus viral of the eye. Okay. Or of the nose. Uh, usually, uh, well, Dr. Jeff, you take this. Shit, I'm doing all the talking. Sure. This is this is primary care, you know, bread and butter topic, right? Yep, yep. Um, so, you know, somebody comes in with conjunctivitis, let's say, right? Yep. They describe... Which is uh, infection of the, uh, of the clear part of the eye, or sure. the whites of the eye. And, you know, they describe... Uh, if they describe a dry sensation with kind of feels like sand and grit in the eye, and they talk about it being isolated to one side, mm-hmm. not crossing the midline, then they talk about how they take a nap and they wake up, and when they do, their eyelid is matted down, just crusted over with all this goop and crud. That really speaks to that being a bacterial infection. And how would you tell the difference between the two if you wanted to laboratory-wise? So, you know, we don't we don't culture eye goop all that much. Culture it, but what could you do? Mm, I'm mm, stumping. Mm. It's, it's called stumping. Got me the there, well, you could swab it and look for white blood cells. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. So a bacterial infection more likely to have white blood cells in 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 great numbers mm-hmm. uh, than a viral infection would. Now, viral infections do stimulate the body to uh, make white blood cells, but there's a specific kind of white blood cell that we would look for, and they're sure. very obvious. Mm-hmm. So We also can look at patient population, too, yep. with uh, the conjunctivitis. So your bacterial tends to be you're really young or you're really old. Uh, patients that can't keep their hands away from their butts and then their eyes. Yeah. Mm. Bacterial stuff. Mm. To where us, us folks that in what's the... causing mine? I was trying to figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> Those of us in the middle of, oh, of, shit of, oh, of, shit the, of the age range, uh, <laughs> we tend to get viral conjunctivitis because we get adenovirus or something like that. We, you know, we get a, one of the common cold viruses. There you go. And that, uh, that spreads up to the eye. Yep. Very good. So, next question. Very good. So, and this is from AG, who is um, live with us in Germany. Oh, yeah. That's wow. cool. So v. Vol- Gates. Volkman. Yes. So, a uh, question. My daughter started kindergarten in January. Um, I have been sick one week on, one week off since yeah. with tonsillitis. I've had it three times in the last six weeks. At what point are too many antibiotics a problem? Oh, yeah. Okay. Ed, this is another primary care one. Why don't you take this as well, Dr. Jeff? Boy, antibiotic stewardship, right? Yeah. Um, 
Why, why do we worry about antibiotic yeah. stewardship? So we have amazing antibiotics that are very well tuned against certain bacteria based on certain specific properties. Bacteria, though, aren't just sitting idly by and just letting themselves get killed off. They are adapting and they are evolving as they need to to avoid uh, to evade, you know, our um, our therapies. So we take we start taking too many antibiotics, or more often we don't complete a course of yeah, antibiotics, there you go. and we induce resistance. And resistance sucks because you know you get a sore throat, your PCP gives you antibiotics when maybe you didn't need it, and right. you only take it for three days because it was viral and it got better in three mm -hmm. days, and now you've killed the good you know, healthy bacteria and you've killed the weak bacteria right. and you've self-selected now for these really That's tough right. bastards. Yeah, there you go. And right. then you start spreading. Give thyself around. a bell. That was well-deserved. Yeah, that was well-deserved. <laughs> so no, you're still on a roll, but I just, I want to just interject. So you have a hundred bacteria, you kill 99 of them, but the one that is resistant because you might have died if you'd taken all of your antibiotic, but you didn't, and this thing was just barely hanging on. Now it's going to multiply, and that'll be the only clone that's left is when that thing starts multiplying. And the, the doubling time can be, you know, a minute or two mm -hmm. where these things are just growing like crazy if they have enough nutrients. And next thing you know, you've got nothing but resistant population. That's right. You've, you've eliminated your, your healthy flora, too. So now that that one lone, you know, assassin bacteria that you didn't kill has yeah. no competition right. for resources. Right. And it could just flourish. And so, uh, you know, he says he had tonsillitis three times. I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting him. I might be doubting the primary care provider who mm -hmm. saw him or her, his AG, anyway, saw them. Uh, it, and uh, we're... And I don't know what the policies are in Germany, but we have real problems just throwing antibiotics at people. Mm -hmm. And uh, tonsillitis really is characterized by enlarged tonsils, sore throat, and exudate, where you see, um, you know, pus basically on the tonsils. That, and then we swab for that and see if it's actually bacteria or not, which is apropos to uh, Lovett's question. Mm -hmm. And there are tests that you can do to see if it's group A strep. Um, uh, or you could, again, look at it under the microscope and see if you see a bunch of white blood cells, or you can culture it. And uh, it, very many sore throats, particularly brought home by kids at school, are going to be viral in nature. Absolutely. And then we treat with antibiotics and then blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. I would just make sure that you're really treating bacteria before you... It, before you take an antibiotic. Yeah. And that's easier said than done when you're the patient. Absolutely. Particularly when the, the physician is trying to throw antibiotics at you. Sure. And as their doc, you know, the patient comes in, they feel lousy and terrible, and they're asking you for help. And, you know, you're, you got into this line of work to do just that. Right. Um, but you have to kind of keep the big picture in mind that the best way to help is not to overprescribe. Yeah. Um, well, when people know, come in and it's like, well, I've got this sore throat, give me an antibiotic. And then you go, well... You know, take a little ibuprofen, do some fluids, try some. By the gargling way, gargling salt water. Right, and then they go, "Fuck! There. I paid 150 bucks for that." Yeah, yeah. And they I go get... out and call their buddies. Yeah, yeah that, that son of a bitch. Well, you got any leftover antibiotics? I can borrow. If you, if there is no contraindication, by the way, if you have a viral sore throat or a sore throat really from anything, um, 
the non-steroidals really work better than acetaminophen mm -hmm. or Absolutely. paracetamol, which I think they call it in Germany, uh, because it is an inflammatory problem. Sure. And of the anti-inflammatories, I prefer naproxen, which is naproxen or, you know, just sold as a generic, you know, CVS and the blue pills uh, over ibuprofen because it lasts longer. Yeah. You know, it's 12 hours instead of four or four to six. And uh, it may, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Jeff, may have fewer COX-related Cox, Cox uh, cardiac issues than Absolutely. ibuprofen does. Absolutely. It's, it's safer. Yeah, so I think I'll give myself a belt. I'm do. not going to. No. Please do. It's all right. I think Lee's yeah. the only one that doesn't have any cardiac. I don't know if it's not any, yeah. but... Uh, well, compared are, to the other ones. There are other ones, like the non-acetylated salicylates, uh, also don't, but you can't hardly find those anymore. That's like yeah. disalcid and salicylate and stuff like that. Yeah, so. no, hmm. Because those are aspirin-like. Definitely. Mm -hmm. definitely. Uh, sparing the cardiac effects, uh, it's easier on the kidneys. Right. Um, lots of good reasons to choose it. Last longer, like you said. And you don't want to miss, however, strep throat. Yeah. Because if you... The only reason we treat strep throat is not to make the syndrome go away. If we treat strep throat with penicillin, the syndrome may go down, you know, decrease by one day. Mm -hmm. But what we're really doing is preventing rheumatic fever mm -hmm. and rheumatic heart disease. Absolutely. And yeah, go ahead. This is such a say? topic in primary care that we we have we even have a really good pretest for this, right? So we have um, something called the Centaur score um, that we use. And it's a set of criteria uh, where someone can come in, they present, and we can base it. It's Centaur score is, uh, I think it's five total um, age of the patient, if okay. there's exudates and, or swelling on the tonsils, if they have uh, swollen or tender anterior cervical lymph nodes. Oh, yeah, that's right? a good one, yeah. Um, yeah. That's very specific for, um, for strep. Uh, fever, and then cough. And it's not if you have a cough right. that you get points. It's if you don't have a That's cough. That's correct. That you if you have a cough, then it's probably it's not strep. Probably strip. not strep. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And centaur is not like half horse, half human. It's C-E-N-T-O-R. Stupid. Should be centaur. <laughs> Dr. Robert Centaur, who uh, devised this. Yeah, he, of course, he named <laughs> it after himself. Stupid. His name is stupid. <laughs> I I invented well, I, I can't a, a a formula from converting from one opioid to another, and I resisted calling it by my name because I think that's stupid. Mm -hmm. Just say, just put it out there. You don't have to name it after yourself. Mm -hmm. Ugh. All right. Well, let's do one. Uh, system duration. Okay, well, anyway. Oh, okay. Okay, so let's say you are, who was it, BG? Yeah. Okay, so BG comes in, and you're going to be BG. So how long have your symptoms? Oh, AG. No. AG. Oh, yeah. Okay. How long have you had your symptoms? You don't have to ask them. You're you're role-playing for them. We don't have time mm, with the delay. Six weeks. So Shut up. That's six what he said. It, oh, is that what he said? Like six it, weeks? One, yeah. A week on, yeah, a week off. Yeah, a week off. Yeah, he said, he said okay. three, three times back to back to back. Okay, so yeah. let's say seven days. And so each one is seven days, well, right? For six weeks. Okay, the Centaur rule only applies for symptoms less than or equal to three days. So, mm -hmm. so we'll say three days, okay? And then age is great, 15 to 44? Yes. Okay. 43, actually. Okay. Uh, swelling or exudates on the tonsils? Let's say no. Nope. Tender, swollen lymph nodes? No. Nope. Uh, fever? No. Nope. 
cough present? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say yes. yes. Okay. Okay. There's a one, one to two percent likelihood of group A strep pharyngitis. No testing or antibiotics required. Hey, AG, take the Centaur C E N T O R score and look at it, and then let us know what the results were. And Scott will give us the. Uh, the um, the result, and if if you don't feel like doing that, take that to your primary care person who's treating you and see, because half the shit that kids bring home are viral. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and it's Absolutely. way more than half, and it's awful in kindergarten. <laughs> it does awful because all of these viruses have mutated since we were in kindergarten, and all these kids get together and they're gooey and they eat so uh, each other's sandwiches and stuff. Yeah, and he can he can do a couple things, and this is true. You know, he can gargle the salt water. That yes. can help protect his, his him from getting a, another infection. Mm. He can do the nasal sprays that can help you know keep him from getting infections too. So especially with a kid in kindergarten, you're gonna catch a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So maybe trying to, to keep from catching those in the first place would be a but good. Just lavaging out your uh, your pharynx is what you're saying. Of course, he's a little far away for his simply herbals nasal spray. I think. Yeah, we can get a navage though. That yeah. might help. I, I don't know that they have any data on if you use the navage every day if you get sick less frequently. That yeah. would be a good study for them to do. Yeah. If people don't know what I'm talking about, the navage is the uh, it would make sense automated though. neti pot. Yeah. And if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see. Um, uh, uh, Who was it? N.P. Mel B. Mel B., right. Yeah, yeah. do the nivage. <laughs> she hated putting anything in her nose. She was horrified. But it worked for her. Long, Longfeather's got a great question, too, yeah. kind of a follow-up. He's asking, you know, as far as NSAIDs, um, folks are that are on Coumadin. NSAIDs, non-steroidal yeah. anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, can you take an NSAID if you're on Coumadin? Jeff? So, you know, on Coumadin or Warfarin, um, you have to be careful with uh, any medication. There's so many interactions. You have to be careful with medications and foods. Um, and so I, it's not strictly contraindicated to take NSAID, you know, taking NSAIDs in, in the setting of Coumadin, no. Uh, it increases the risk of bleeding because they interfere with platelet function, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't yeah. do it. If I was on Coumadin, uh, I would probably take acetaminophen for pain yeah. rather yeah. than... But if you're if he, I ask them why well, you're on Coumadin, though, okay. because there may be reasons that you could get off of the Coumadin, which is warfarin, and which is rat poison. Rat poison. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, we don't want to say this is not like a Joe Rogan thing where they were saying, well, he took a, you know, what vermectin, and uh, <laughs> and he was taking horse paste. He was taking, uh, you know, a human drug for a human reason. And when we say warfarin is rat poison, don't get the wrong idea. They use warfarin in rat poison because when the rats eat it in huge amounts, then it uh, it induces bleeding in Mm -hmm. them. So that's why it's not. It is. Yes, it is also used as rat poison. But warfarin, if you're taking warfarin, you're not taking rat poison. No. So. Um, so I, you know, there are other drugs now and some people get stuck on Coumadin and don't need it anymore. And they're on it, on and on it forever. Mm -hmm. And you have to do blood testing and you have to adjust it and all this stuff. So talk to your, talk to your primary about, you know, is there a compelling reason to still be on warfarin? There are still some Mm -hmm. reasons to take that over the eloquences and other things of the world. All right. Any other? Nope. Okay. All right. Let's do... One fr- we're going to do a blind voicemail. Oh, gosh. All right. And let me see. Okay. 
Let's try this one. Hey, Steve. It's uh, Evan from Wisconsin. And I... Um, Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call back. Sorry. Okay. All right. This is why we don't do blind voicemails. Let's try this one. <laughs> hey, Steve. It's oh, Evan oh, from Wisconsin go. calling in with a take two. Um, <laughs> I'm in my early 30s. I drink more than I should. Okay. And I also have these weird, like, painful um, lumps, I guess, on my, like, uh, both my side area and my sternum. Okay. It's they're pretty small, about pea size, and I can manipulate them, and it, it won't hurt. But okay. if I like put direct pressure on it, it leaves like this kind of lingering pain. It's hmm. kind of hard to describe, you know, like a kidney punch or something. But oh. I've read it's from a fatty liver and is probably tied into my alcoholism but just wanted to see what you thought thank you love the show fluid <laughs> thanks man well number one if you're drinking more than you should you can get help Absolutely. you know go to a meeting uh dr jeff you can talk a little bit about that if you're cool with it yeah the uh alcohol is is probably one of the you know strongest drugs uh that humans have um formulated in our in our history uh it can uh it can be a lot of fun until it isn't and then it can destroy lives and relationships and careers and families and all of the above uh there's lots of help out there um especially over the internet you're listening to an amazing uh medical show over the internet you can go to meetings reach out to people all online people have been there uh going through what you're going through helps out there find it my friend yeah absolutely I mean, you've identified that you have a problem. So how would you recommend someone who's actively drinking? Yeah. He's still drinking. Yeah. How does he get started on that? So and we're going we're gonna to get to the lumps, but yeah, this is more important. This is more important than that. So, um, you know, the first thing is uh, doing exactly what he did, recognizing that this is a problem. We, we call that step one. Okay. Right? Uh, lots of research out there has shown that these 12-step programs are some of the best uh, modalities we have for, yep. for conquering this addiction. Um, find yourself a meeting. If you can't find a meeting, find somebody else uh, who will listen. Family, friends, whoever it may be. Uh, admit that you've got a problem, and then we can start taking steps to stop the drinking. Now, drinking is different than other drug use. It's different than smoking weed too much or doing coke or whatever. If you're an everyday drinker or you know, five times a week drinker. This isn't something that you can just stop all the time. You can go into withdrawal that can be fatal. That's right. So we have to be really careful when it comes to alcohol, depending on how much, you know, how much you're, how much you're drinking. And it's a process. It's a process of realizing that you got a problem, asking for help, getting a good support system behind you and realizing that you're worth getting past this. Yeah. Your life, your happiness, the happiness of your loved ones, is worth it and there's there's a new day ahead mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a better day ahead for you right. uh, without the drinking yeah very good i yeah absolutely this is uh please dude just take that first step and then uh we're, get back to us we're here yeah. for you if you need mm-hmm. you know we, you can go to samsa.gov uh, I hate that they spell it so weird it's s a m s h no uh, shit Samsa, 
thing. See, they would have spelled it weird. Yeah, it's pronounced SAMHSA because the H goes in front of the S. That's why. So S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov. You can find treatment programs, but you can just go to AA.org too, right? Absolutely. Another great another great resource that I'll that I'll put out there is called in the rooms.com um, and this is a, a group of virtual meetings that are happening internationally around the world 24 hours a day seven days a week you name your addiction they have a support group for you um, alcohol and drugs obviously most you know common in these in these groups but everything from gambling addiction sex addiction whatever it may be really and these are phenomenal because you can be as involved and as public as you want to be um, if for professional reasons you don't want to you know uh, spread the news around that's okay you can you can be this anonymous. is free absolutely free who the hell pays for this this is an amazing website so those of us who uh, who have recovered and found success in life outside of this uh, we go back and we give money Really? Uh, because they, they save lives, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, shit. In the rooms.com. Okay. Check that out. I hope he's listening. Now, let's talk about the lumps. Yeah. So, anytime I hear somebody who prefaces a symptom with, when I drink, I notice this, or mm-hmm. when I've been drinking a lot, I notice this. Any kind of um, pain or... Because he said they were painful, yes? Yeah. 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 Well, they're not painful. He can manipulate them. Manipulate But them. when he pushes on them, they hurt. They hurt. Okay. Uh, first thing that pops in my head is the Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hmm. Uh, no. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to be no. down there. <laughs> oh. I think these are superficial. Superficial? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then I vote lipoma. That's, that's what you get lipomas, for the, I vote yeah, lipoma. Lipomas. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you get with a new doctor. But, <laughs> but it's easy to find out. <laughs> Jeff, we, we tried... <laughs> Not to just throw the C word out there willy-nilly people and have them shit their pants. Sorry about that. But it sounds superficial. These things sound like little uh, fatty fatty tumors, tumors. but not malignant fatty tumors. They're... um, they are, uh, you know, little collections of fat cells. The easiest way to know, though, is go to your primary, talk to them about these lumps, show them to them, let them poke on them. Maybe they want to take one off and biopsy it. Then they'll know. Yeah. And uh, then while you're there, say, I want to get into recovery. Absolutely. And there are things that they can do. They could send you to an addictionologist if you need pharmacologic help. If they're well-versed in this, like most family physicians are, uh, then uh, they may be able to get you started with medication-assisted treatment. And then get, but it's just not taking a pill. Uh, pills are great. And um, they uh, there are some great new medications out there like naltrexone, naltrexone, and other medications to use. But it's got to be multifactorial. You can't just do the, you can't just take a pill to conquer this. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. Well, it was very interesting. I've got a couple of um, emails that were sent to me. One of them is really long, so I'm going to abbreviate it. But I think it's kind of interesting. Um, and y'all, you can email me stuff. Just call the voicemail. It's, mm-hmm. It works better. It's 347-766-4323. But uh, this was, uh, both of these were good enough. I, I really wanted to read them. So this is from uh, Kai in Connecticut. Said, I thought you might appreciate 
a lay person's experience trying and eventually succeeding in getting a colonoscopy done without sedation. Because, you know, I've talked about how I like doing my colonoscopies. Over and over. Oh, yeah. oh for, yeah. fuck's yeah. for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Fuck the right on. Lord, I need Oh my God! Anyway, yeah. So I've okay. So I've had a something about a big hairy ass on a picture. Yeah, or okay, something. all right, right, right. <laughs> but it says after hearing you talk about it, over apparently over and over and over again. So, well, he does say several times over the years. Okay, fuck off. I thought that I too would really prefer going without anesthesia during my first ever colonoscopy. There you go, because he's smart. Um, I've never liked it. I've always asked the lightest possible amount during any invasive procedure. So I figured I'd go without it here entirely. So I quickly realized, unlike your experience with sedation-free colorectal cancer screenings, it seems since I, one, am not a fellow physician, and two, don't personally know the folks who would be doing the screening, I had much more difficult time convincing them to do it. Literally at every step of the way... Um, uh, uh, let me see. I had to remind every single one of them of my wishes. Each person went right into their, so do you have a ride home today? And quote, during your recovery from sedation, you'll experience script. It was unreal. I can't tell if this was some kind of communication breakdown. I mean, obviously it was, but they, they just have it in their brain. Yeah. It's just habit. Or if they're legitimately convinced people don't know what's best for themselves. No, it's not that. It's just that most people aren't aware that you can do it, and it's just habit. And you get into this mind drone where you just say, okay, do you have a ride? Do you, you know, they're not even looking at it. This was a large city hospital in Connecticut. I'm convinced no one has ever requested not to be anesthetized here. Uh, I was initially annoyed by it, but then saw the hilarity of having to start my story over with every single person. As I mentioned, they even sent the anesthesiologist into the room at one point. It was the shortest communication ever. Hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and I'll be your anesthete. Nope. <laughs> so the good news, it went right. Now, listen, if they had a problem and they perforated your colon, they would have to anesthetize you. So it is good to still talk to the anesthesiologist, but just say, I don't need you. But they can put in an IV and have it ready in case you need it. Okay. And because not everybody, some people will get into it and uh, go, okay, I want the anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Because they weren't expecting it to be as uncomfortable as it. But it's just uncomfortable. It's not horrible. Yeah. What's worse, that or the um, the um, cystoscope, cystoscopy? No. When you say worse, yeah, painful like the, cyst the well, cystoscopy. It, I, be okay, way someone more painful. someone manipulating your ass or manipulating your cock. Well, I've had one. I've not had the the other. So I, I, I they were both equally just stupid. You know, it's just stupid. And I I wouldn't ask for anesthesia to have a cystoscopy. Mm. You're I, thinking I think you I might. <laughs> You're thinking you would. I'm thinking I would consider it. Yeah. I think squirt the the um, numbing juice up the urethra and let it sit there for a few minutes I, before you just shove a damn tube I've in. I got there. a better idea. How about why not drinking the numbing juice and peeing it out? No, that, oh, would that would be interesting. Numbs everything on the yeah, way. So it would be if they bad. had something like that. <laughs> That's my next million. They do have right pyridium now. that, which is oh, yeah, a yeah, pill yeah. that turns your urine yeah. orange, and it yeah. is an anesthetic for the. GI tract. Yeah, I don't right. think it would help for its cystoscopy, though. That, that's pretty pretty horrible. <laughs> it might be something to do, though. <laughs> that might be an interesting clinical trial. 
you know, if people experience less discomfort. Because, yeah. uh, Dr. Jeff, I don't, you probably haven't listened uh, when we were talking about this, but Scott and I both had cystoscopies done, yeah. which is a little, you know, fiber optic, for people who don't know, fiber optic scope shoved up your urethra so that they can look around your bladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put numbing gel on it, but they just put it on there and then just jammed the thing yeah. in there. No, and it's, it's really. to sit and wait. They, they just, that just, I that makes that. them. I don't think you could sit terrible. and wait long enough. That makes <laughs> them feel better. It doesn't make us feel no, better. Exactly and if you've right. ever had an STD test, which I never have but they take the little swab Mm. well maybe i did before i got married i don't know but they take a little swab Mm. and they shove it up your urethra and it's a tiny little swab and then you have to twist it around and people tell me that's just agony no thanks very uncomfortable but again it's just uncomfortable i tell people if you're going to quit smoking what's the worst that's going to happen to you you're going to be uncomfortable who cares who gives a shit uh you if you're a man and you smoke and you stop smoking you'll regain that erectile dysfunction that you were lost or were going to lose but um you're just gonna be uncomfortable now if you just quit as dr jeff alluded to if you just quit drinking you could have serious side effects, so you want to do that under a, a someone's supervision, a medical, uh, you know, encounter uh, to make sure that you're not putting yourself in jeopardy. Same thing with uh, benzodiazepines like yes. Valium or Xanax. Same kind of deal. It same receptors. Same. Be uh, very dangerous to just stop those cold turkey. But anyway, okay, one more letter. This is from Doctor Perkins. I don't know if it's Dr. Perkins or Dr. Perkins. I never know. It's just like we've got a place in town called, I thought it was called Mr. Cleaners, and they will correct you every time. No, it's MR Cleaners. Well, it looks like Mr. Cleaners. So this could be Dr. Perkins or Dr. Perkins. It says, I picked up on one of your podcast discussions about the body getting too used to certain medications. Here's my question. After being on, and Tacey, you're going to answer this, after being on thyroid supplementation for 20 years, is there zero hope for my thyroid? And then he said, uh, you know, are there any odds of finding a treatable blood flow problem? And that's really not the problem with low hypothyroidism. You know, you want to talk a little bit about... I mean, Steve, I really don't know. Since I've... I mean, it's a long road to get to the correct dose of of or or to get to the right cocktail for for being like Hashimoto's or thyroid. I mean, it's a long, terrible, right. difficult. So Tacey had Hashimoto's <laughs> yeah. experience. It took about a year for me, and you know now now I feel good. And when well, you start off with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune, you know, destruction of the thyroid where you may have hyperthyroidism for a while when it's when the inflammation is going on and then and you may even feel good during that some people you know if it's mild they may feel kind of energetic and stuff but then when it shuts down that's when you feel like you know oh just, just terrible like i've never felt so bad in my life and um, that's the problem is with people yeah are, i could sleep well, I can still sleep, but anyway. <laughs> I have seen people come in, and it's, when you treat them, it's so gradual, they don't realize it. I've seen people come in, and they're talking like this, you know, and then you test them, and their thyroid-stimulating hormone is elevated, and their thyroid is low. Uh, thyroid hormone is low and you start to treat them and then they come in they go hey how's it going you know and you go can you tell any difference no and it's like you're bouncing around now and you came in here looking like you know a sloth that's a good question i mean are you on 
the same dose forever because right. I have been for a few years. Yeah, many people can be on the same dose forever. So, I mean, but there isn't hope for for it's not blood flow, and yes. there's not hope for. Just but it feels fixing. like blood flow. Yes. Yeah, it feels like. I understand that. Uh, I mean, like I'm a little Hosh, Hashimoto-y today, and it kind of feels like my blood is moving kind of slow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's how we perceive those things. You know, back in the day when we were just making up things, we talked about humors and stuff. You had melancholy right. humor and slow blood and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where that comes from. Yeah. So, I mean, if if a person doesn't gain a bunch of weight or has any kind of changes like that, yeah. do they usually stay on the same medication? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, okay. Well, what they do is they check your thyroid levels and your TSH, and they, they do kind of treat people as if their number's on a piece of paper Yes, they do. when it comes to thyroid, and that's not always correct. No, it's not. And I really wish that there was a whole damn semester on the thyroid. <laughs> right, because they've, <laughs> they've, med school. they mess Tacey up pretty bad. And, well, it's like testosterone. If you're low normal testosterone but you're symptomatic, just because your number is above the low threshold doesn't mean don't treat and i think they should do this with thyroid too i feel like shit my numbers are normal but i still feel crappy i think those people if they're in the range you could crank up their thyroid dose a little bit see if they feel better just keep them in that normal upper range i mean i had an endocrinologist why can't you do that tell me that i was just depressed and i just got up and walked out of the room right fuck that um and i'm gonna give them a boo let's see I mean, he was not listening to my symptoms And here's the thing. All. We shouldn't, as providers, and Dr. Jeff, as you go forward, aim for the lower part of the normal range just because you get somebody. So the range is, you know, 10 to 100 of whatever disease, and their level was 5, and we bring them up, and now they're 12, and go, oh, you're fine. They still feel like shit. Let's bump them up until they're maybe they're 50 or 70, and then it's still normal. Why can't we do that? The thyroid people will not do that. If you're in the normal range, they won't titrate you up, even if you are symptomatic, and I think that's incorrect. Yes, very incorrect. Some of this is art of medicine, but there's that's science as well, because you're still, if you're worried about that normal range, bump them up to the upper range. You know, why not? And yeah. keep them in normal, but just a little bit higher. And we then call- there's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry there's all this other stuff I don't understand, like T3, T4. Yeah, don't worry about all T, that. T, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But um, <laughs> yeah. I want it to be good because I want to feel good. Right. So I want my doctor to know about that. Right. That's all I was going to say. Often we call it the curse of the low side of normal. Yeah. Right? And patients get stuck in it and. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's got a name for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the low side of normal. Uh, patients get stuck there, providers get lazy, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they're normal. But the yeah. low side of normal is no place to live. I agree. No. Agreed. Yep. I'm with you. Agreed. All right. You got anything, Scott? No, sir. All right. Well, good deal. Thank you, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm temporizing because I don't have the right script up, although after 17 years, you'd think I could do it without it. But uh, thanks go to Dr. Scott. 
Thanks to uh, Tacey. Thank you, Dr. Jeff. Very illuminating, and uh, you're a great uh, person to have in the studio. Absolutely. So you're welcome anytime. Thanks Unfortunately, he is moving to California. Is that correct? I've moved from California. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. You're, so. you're, you're yeah. not going back to California. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. St- sticking around local. Yeah. Oh, you are? Relative, Wait, local? Rel- relatively local. Compared to from California to where we're sitting now, okay. it feels local. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you're, you're, local like, <laughs> you're local like Ahmed is local. He was going to drive here, and he had to get up at 5 in the morning to get here just to be in the studio. I said, dude, just come when you don't have to get up at 5 in the morning, yeah. and you can hang out because we love Ahmed. He's doing very well, getting Good ready to him. become a senior resident. Is so, he yeah. really? Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, plus, yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for coming, and you're welcome. Thank you for having As long me. as you're still here anytime. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m., Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Thank you, Jim. I mean, we're still on the air. I don't know why, but thank you. We really appreciate the fact that we are. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Hello, Holly. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.